Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show. And we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. Let me get into this topic here. So yesterday, we decided to publish two shows. And we published the first show a few hours before the, the show that came after that. Then we published the second show. And usually what happens is whenever we publish these shows, I try within the first hour or so, I try to monitor the comments to see if I can respond to people initially when they come. Because once it gets like an hour or two, it's impossible to respond to everyone, right? Because their comments coming in left and right. But I always try to engage with people on those videos in the, in the video. Maybe like the first 30 to 40, maybe 50 comments I read and try to, although I read other comments. So as we're watching that video, um, it was about ESPN's NBA rankings. And then I saw in the comment section, it says, Gilbert, Gilbert Arenas is going at him. And I wrote at the person, I said, at who? And then my brain started firing. I'm like, Wait, could that person be me? So I jumped on Instagram and some of our viewers started sending us messages saying, Gilbert Arenas is going at you on uh, Instagram right now. I mean, on, uh, on, on YouTube right now. And I'm like, Gilbert Arenas is going at us on YouTube. So I immediately jump onto YouTube and I search for Gilbert Arenas. And there he was. He was doing a live stream uh, where it was like at Dreamers Pro, you're going to get school today. Uh, and he was in one of his studios. It looks like he has many different setups. So when I tuned in, it was about the 55-minute mark. So I had missed a lot already. And I was a bit upset because I'm like, well, now I'm discombobulated. This guy's been talking for the past God knows how long. And I've already missed what he said. So now I'm watching it here. And it isn't, you know, so I'm trying to jump into the live, kind of react of course, Suzette was there. First of all, yo, hold up. Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to say who Suzette is, but Suzette, you're not subscribed to the channel, but you was in the live. What's, what's going on, doggy? What's going on? You miss your pops that much? You got to be stalking me all over the internet. Come on, Suzette. You could do better than that. I saw you leaving all those comments. Wasn't nobody checking for you. Your name wasn't even in the title, bro. It's all right. It's all right. But anyway, so Gilbert Arenas was there kind of calling me out. So I was a bit confused. So I said to myself, I said, you know what? I'm going to wait for the live to finish, and then I'm going to watch it from the beginning. Now, when the live finished, I saw that the man was on live, uh, online for about two hours and 29 minutes, and I said, good Lord, how the hell am I supposed to get through all of this uh, today? So I said, you know what? It's too late because a lot of people are wanting us to respond, like in the moment. I'm like, I can't respond to what I haven't heard and listening to bits and pieces of it. So I said, okay, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to address this today. So today we're going to do something different. We're going to combine all of our shows into this show. We're only going to release one show today. And I want to take my time to systematically address a good amount of the points that Gilbert Arenas laid bare 
in his two and a half uh, hour live because he had a lot to say. During his live, he was addressing various videos that we have produced uh, about him that were centered on comments that he made about various things, like when he was talking about players in the past, when he was talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo, and of course, the most recent one, when he was talking about uh, Hakeem Olajuwon and, uh, and, and all of those different things. So what I want to do is I want to first play the first part of some of the things that he had to say uh, in terms of my basic comprehension of basketball and being able to understand basketball. Uh, uh, what is it at a, at, a, at, a, at a very deep level and what qualifies me to even be discussing it because he was a former professional player. And I'm a guy that's never played in the NBA. So what we want to do is want to play a little bit of what Gilbert Arenas had to say. It's going to be a very long show. So get your popcorn, get you a ham sandwich or something to sit back or whatever it is, because we're going to have a fantastic show. Take a, take a listen to the first thing that Gilbert Arenas had to say here. Sometimes it's hard for me to speak to, you know, I guess regular, regular YouTubers. I, I, is that what you, regular YouTubers? It's hard to speak to regular YouTubers because they can't process the shit that I do just like, uh, you know, someone in, you know, computers, you know, no matter how many, you know, how long they talking to you, you don't know what the they talking about, huh? Um, and I think that's where we, we, we have, or you have this issue with me that I make takes and they seem outlandish to you. The take, am I wrong? That's what you got to answer. Am I wrong in my takes? Is the is the is the is the is the is the real question that you have to ask yourself, right? When I said the USA team was a D team and everybody oh outlandish and then they lost, right? You know I mean it's it's I can I can see something you can't, and this is going to hurt a little bit. Right, I'm I'm not gonna be disrespectful. It's gonna hurt a little bit though, right? Your credibility, it's gonna hurt a little bit, you know. Um stay away from me. You know, I'm just one of the dudes you do like everybody else does. Just stay away from me. That's that's what they all do. Like, because I have I, I understand this concept. Everybody listens for keywords. I'm great at that, right? I'm better than Steph by the age of 25. Knowing your little brain only heard I'm better than Steph, right? So then you get to type it in, oh, this is so disrespectful and get to going and da, 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 and then realize the rest, of the, the rest of the sentence, right? You listen, you listen to respond, not here to understand. Um, but I'm going to teach you today, sir. Since I'm your buffoon, damn, you're about to get an education by a buffoon, a bigot. I didn't even know what the f*** was. I had to Google that. <laughs> the bigot, what the f***? <laughs> Sound like some 80s I had to Google that. I didn't even know what that was. So you heard what he had to say. Now, I want to, I want to address a few things because I believe that what we do here at Dreamers Pro is we represent, and we're not the ones that started it, obviously, they're people that came before us, but we, we represent the third arm of the media here 
uh, when it comes to you know sports content, and in this in this case, we're talking about the NBA. Generally, the three sources, the three types of information you get, you get the information from the journalist, you get the information from the former athletes, athletes, and then of course you have the third wing is where you get information from the independent creators. And what I'm beginning to see is that some voices are trying to snuff us out and act like as if, well, it needs to be journalists and athletes and then these other guys need to go away. But here's the problem. The athletes and the journalists don't get to decide that. The people do. The people decide who's good and who's not and who's worth listening to. Now, I think there's a misconception here. Gilbert Arenas, I actually saw his career. When it started, when he was in the playoffs, playing against LeBron, I saw it. For anybody that saw Gilbert Arenas play, you will know that he was an offensive machine as a point guard. I think Gilbert Arenas may have been six foot two, six foot three. He was an extremely skilled offensive player. He was quick and he was fast. Um, he could shoot from anywhere on the court. Uh, he was very quick off the dribble. He was very elusive. And the guy seemed to have unlimited range. And he was a very confident player. And Gilbert Arenas was the first basketball player I ever saw that shot a three-point shot and put his hands up in the air and was walking away before the ball even went in. He was the first person. He was the guy that was going against uh, Tr Tracy McGrady in, uh, during that Hurricane Katrina game that the Houston Rockets, I guess, organized in the arena. And at one point in that all-star game, they started trading shots from half court. It was Gilbert Arenas and T-Mac. So Gilbert Arenas, no one is saying that he's not a great player. He is. I saw him play. And in everything that I've said, I've never one time questioned his ability as a basketball player. I have questioned it in comparison to other NBA players like Kobe Bryant when he brought up the comparisons or brought up, not the comparisons, the conversation which we'll get to a little bit later in the show. But I've never questioned his ability as an NBA player because we all know he was a stout offensive player. We know this. However, the question still becomes, or the question that still remains is, what qualifies me to talk about basketball? Well, the fact of the matter is this. I'm an NBA fan. And to say that I'm not qualified to speak about basketball because I'm a fan is tantamount to saying that fans... Just because they're fans, they can't comprehend the game. So why do you think they watch? You think fans don't gain some level of enjoyment based on what they're comprehending in front of them? But that would be a ridiculous thing to say. That fans, although they see what they're watching, they can't understand what they're watching. But that would be ludicrous and, ex and extremely presumptuous. The fact of the matter is this. I'm a student of basketball. I've been following basketball since about... 2000 right as a fan not as a coach not as a professional player i never once said i was a basketball player ever i was a business administration student in college that's what i was and i did public speaking and all of those other things that's what my background is however i'm an extremely observant person and i'm very very analytical so a lot of the things that I've learned about basketball has come from me listening to people like, and when I say listen, I'm talking about studying people like Kobe Bryant, Tyron Lue, Phil Jackson, 
Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Paul George, Jalen Rose, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, Shaq, Jim Jackson, and some other and some other players. Those are the people I have learned a lot from because these guys explained the game. They explained the game. Now you say, but how'd you learn from Kobe? I learned from watching him play. I learned from watching almost every single Kobe Bryant post-game interview. And I've listened to a lot of his interviews and talks about basketball. That's how I learned it. Ty Lu, for like a two-year stretch, I listened to every post-game and pre-game uh, a coaching uh, uh, interview that he ever did talking about the Clippers. So I'm immersed in it. Not to say that I'm a coach or anything like that, but I fully grasp what I'm saying. But let's address this elephant in the room, though. Let's address it. You see, there's a fundamental difference between understanding what you're seeing versus being able to perform the thing you're seeing. Let me give you guys an example. Most people that follow boxing can understand at a very basic level and some at a more in-depth and complex level that Floyd Mayweather is an extremely good uh, boxer, especially as a defensive boxer. You can understand this. You can understand how good he is at his craft. But another thing can be true as well. Even though you understand how good and how great Floyd Mayweather is, you also understand that you can't do what he does. But to say that just because Floyd is a great boxer and he's so good, and because I don't box, I can't comprehend it, is absolutely outlandish. Because if that were the case, there would be no fans. Why would you watch something and patronize something you cannot comprehend unless you're an idiot? But I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. You're going to get this work. You're going to get this work. Shout out to Loaded Lux. You're going to get this work today. Because the mistake I think Gilbert made was that, you see, I'm not a basketball player. I never said I was a basketball player. However, I'm not a stupid dude. And I'm extremely analytical. And when I hone in on something, I thoroughly immerse myself in it to, to, to ensure that when I talk about it, I'm ready to speak. There's this thing going around, and I noticed some people commenting in the live, which were saying, can somebody pull up a video of Charles playing basketball? Can we pull up his basketball resume? Can we pull up his basketball history, please? His basketball credentials? The people saying that, and the people asking that question, I would assume you're saying that because I never played basketball at a professional level, collegiate level, therefore, I'm not qualified to even talk about basketball. Well, I, well, I, have, some, I, have, I have a few names for you guys that I want to list off. These are some coaches that never played basketball. These are some coaches. Eric Spolstra, Greg Popovich, Michael Malone, Frank Vogel, Mike Brown. Do you know what four of those four out of those five coaches have in common? They're all NBA champions. Eric Spolstra has two, Greg Popovich has five, Frank Vogel has one, and hell, Mike Malone just won his first one last year. So four out of the five coaches I just listed have championships and none of them played basketball. Please help, help me figure that part out. I'll let you guys respond to that in the comment section. But Gilbert Arena said more. So what we want to do is we want to play a little bit of what he had to say 
about my basic understanding of great players from different generations. So take a listen to what Gilbert Arenas had to say here, uh, and then we'll come back. All right, let's see which one is this one is. Okay, we're going to start from the back, you know, because this is this is interesting right here, Charles. Right? I just get, I just get to the good part. Let me just make sure. So we... We're going to go back first, and then we're going to come forward. All right. This current era that we're in, what, what's the thing that makes it the best era, right? What are the players in this era that will make us say, um, you know, this is the greatest era of all time? Not, like, if you listen to Gilbert Arenas' point, one of the points he was making was that even though MJ came into the league in 90, was it 98? Excuse me, 80, what, 86 or something like that. Okay. If you're going to talk sports, please know the information. He was he came in the league in 84, not 86, not 88. 84. Okay, just want to correct you there. Move he on. didn't really develop into who he was until he was in the 90s. That was an argument he was making. And he called and he had some, some other players that he was calling tweener. So all of those guys that were drafted in the mid-80s, late 80s, he was saying that these guys were really 90s players. And that the guys that were drafted in the in the 90s were really early 2000 players right that this was this was basically his premise okay well let me correct you um tweening players is players who are drafted okay charles a decade a decade is from the beginning of the uh, the uh, decade to the end of the decade you know when they say all decade team that means your stats have to be from the Zero, zero, so 1980 to 1989, right? That's your stats. So when you get drafted in the middle of a decade, right? You get drafted in 85 and 86. How can you be a decade? How can you win that decade or be part of that decade if you got six or seven years of no stats? Like you really got to come out of the gate swinging sir right so for the most part some players can never be decade players just because how they got drafted um so that's the tween the tween is a few years it's like um 84 to 86 you know those players they get trapped into the decade so um like some people like you know jordan charles barkley hakeem right they all got drafted um John Stockton. They're all drafted in 84, right? There's only one player who's first team all decade. That's MJ because of his stats early. Um, other than that, he's going against somebody who started a decade four years in front of him. So they got four years of stats. So you heard his thoughts there. Now, I, I want to quickly say this. There was a part in this show where he was addressing because Gilbert Arenas is infamous for insulting players of the past i don't know why he gets a kick out of doing that i really don't know because these are his brethren as they say these are his mates i don't know what it is i don't know i really don't know what it is maybe i don't know i really maybe he just thinks this generation is just so much more uh advanced but there was a section in the show where he was talking about name great players from the 80s name great players from the 70s name great players from the 90s right and i was listing off some people in the previous uh show that we produced that were drafted at various points uh, in time. 
So he's like, if a guy drafted in 84 and he played all the way to 90, he's a tweener. So, so okay, my question is this. Name the players that were drafted at the ones and finished at the tens. What do I mean? Name the players that played for, that were drafted in 2001 and finished in 2010, 2010 to finish in 2012. You will be hard-pressed to find that. Instead, it would be better to look at a decade or 12-year window, whatever it is, across a 10-year window and stop restricting it from 1980 to 1990. It doesn't need to be that restrictive. That was a point. Uh, that was a point uh, that he brought up. But now I want to address the part where he talked about a player wanting uh, two hundred million dollars versus having fifty million dollars and having five championships. So what we want to do is want to play a little bit of what, of what Gilbert Arenas had to say about this part here, and then want to come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to what Gilbert Arenas had to say there. Um, now, when I take Robert Horry's career, I say, all right, he played 17 years. He made $54 million. That's what, about $3 million a year, right? I know what that player looks like in that era, right? I know what that player looks like in that era. Remember, you, your money dictates how hard you play for that organization, right? So if he got 57 rings, 58 million, he was worth about a three, he was a $3 million player, right? That is also a work ethic also. That's a mediocre work ethic who's settled and who's willing to just be there, right? My brain doesn't work like that. You know, I'll rather try something, do it the best and fail. Right. That's that. That's my angle. Right. I'd rather like if we asked you who played harder on the court, Allen Iverson or, you know, Bob, I'm pretty sure 100 percent would say Allen Iverson. Right. So how is Allen Iverson loser if he's the one that's playing a thousand miles an hour every single day? Right. That, that That's the premises. Right. Like. Would you rather take the risk to be great and fail or would you rather just sit behind, let someone else do the charity work for you, right? So um, now th this is going to be a problem for you because change there. Well, you don't know history. That's the problem. Apparently about 24 hours ago, Steven Jackson looked like he was going somewhere. And something caused him to respond to some of the comments that Gil Well, uh, Steven Jackson wasn't responding to me. He was responding to Jeff T. Like the original comment was 300 million or 50, right? It changed from Jeff T, max deal, 100 million or 50, right? The same shit. You heard what he had to say. And I want to systematically break down my problem with some of what he said. To me, and I think to many others out there, because the fact of the matter is when Gilbert Arenas made those comments, even though he was echoing somebody else, Jeff Teague, uh, he seemed to be fully supportive of it. Now, we're not going to play that video. You can just go back and hunt it down. He seemed to be 100% in support of it. So whether or not he said it or he's echoing what somebody else said, he supported it. Let's not even front. He supported it. The issue I'm having is Gilbert made it seem like he was prioritizing stats and money over winning. That's number one. Number two, 
there were other very talented players that sacrificed their game to win championships. You see, because in his soundbite, he basically tried to come up with a summation where he was saying, well, listen, if you're making, let's say, $3 million a year, well, that's the value, the net value that you have to your team, which is true and not true. What's important is the context. That's the most important thing because they're players that make a lot of money on very bad teams. Very, very bad teams. And they're players that don't make as much money, but they're on very, very good teams and they're still very good players that just play another role. So I want to give you guys a list of players that sacrificed their game and money in an effort to win. Not saying that later on they didn't want to recoup their money, but saying that they were willing to make sacrifices to win championships. I'll just give you guys some names. Who are the players that made sacrifices to win? Dwayne Wade for LeBron James. Kevin Love for LeBron James. Manu Ginobili for the Spurs. Manu Ginobili was one of the best two guards in the NBA when he was playing, and he decided to come off the bench for the San Antonio Spurs. I know this. Powell Gasol for Kobe Bryant. He was the number one guy in Memphis before he got traded to the Lakers. He accepted becoming the number two. Uh, have you ever heard of Kobe Bryant for Shaq? You know Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest players of all time? You know he took a backseat to Shaquille O'Neal, right? You remember the interview that he conducted with Alex, uh, what is it, uh, um, Alex Rodriguez, where he said that when he was on that 40-point scoring tier where he scored not 40 points for nine straight games, and they said that he needed to reel it back. Phil Jackson said he needed to reel it back because he was starting to lose Shaq if they, weren't if they didn't find a way to incorporate Shaq into the offense. So Kobe said, that was the night my streak ended. So Kobe Bryant made sacrifices for Shaq. Now, why would Kobe make sacrifices for Shaq? He did it to win, but it doesn't stop there. What about Shaq to Dwayne Wade? When Shaq was traded to the Lakers, uh, to the to the Miami Heat, what did Shaquille O'Neal say? When he was in, in, in L.A., the big point of contention between Shaq and Kobe was, who's the number one? Is it me or is it you? Who's the alpha? Shaq immediately went to Miami and said to D-Wade, you're the best player on this team. You're the leader. We're going to follow you. That's what Shaq said. Now, why would Shaq do that? Why would Shaq put his ego to the side in order to win? I'll continue on. What about Tim Duncan to the Spurs? Tim Duncan took a lot of haircuts financially from the Spurs to win. Help me figure this out. You're going to get this work today. What about Tom Brady for the New England Patriots? What about Stephen Curry for Kevin Durant? So there have been great players at a certain point in their career that were willing to forego resources to win championships. And later on, they sought to recoup that money. This is a fact. I'm not an NBA player, but I'm not a doofus. I also have a brain. I also have eyes. And I also have a memory that works. I remember all of this vividly. The fact of the matter is this. Gilbert Arenas was trying to intellectualize losing. He was trying to say, no, guys, listen, you need to look at it from a different angle and basically trying to make basketball a superficial thing. That's the reason why folks like Steven Jackson pushed back on that notion. So whether or not he was the one that said it or it was Jeff Teague, he still endorsed it. But now I want to get to the other part. I want to get to the part where he addressed Kobe Bryant and his prowess or lack thereof as a defender 
when he faced Gilbert Arenas. So what we want to do is want to play what some of the things that Gilbert Arenas had to say about Kobe, and then we're going to come back and continue on with the show. Take a listen to that there. Well, then that's unfortunately, that's horrible for you, sir. I averaged 24 against Kobe. And my first two years will be counted into that. And my injured years will be factored into that too. So when I was a rookie playing against a three-time, four-time All-Star, two-time champ, and I get in the game for two, three minutes, that would count towards, that would count towards 24 a game. Mm -hmm. My, the second year, right? Where I'm still developing, whatever I scored in those two games will count against the 24 also. When I hurt my leg and I'm playing hobbling and, you know, I'm coming in, I'm playing for Memphis and shit like that, that counts too. So now let's get to the reason I can say the shit I say. Since I'm averaging 24 with my whole career. Now, if you're me and your last eight games, your last seven, let's take the claim for fame. Let's take 60 out of it, sir. Let's take 60 out of it, right? So that means one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So that's eight games. We're going to take 60 out of it. So those games, the score, 33. 35, 37, 21. Damn, he was playing good defense that day. He held me to 21. 29, 34, 37. Without the 60 points, I averaged 32 points against Kobe Bryant. If you add the 60 in for my career when I got to D.C., my 30 or 21 years old, I averaged 35 a game in the eight games against Kobe Bryant, 35. Now you ask me again, can he play defense? Because if someone told you that this dude averages 35 a game in the last eight games against that man right there, you will call that man on defense hot trash. So you heard what Gilbert Arenas had to say about Kobe Bryant there. Now I want to address a few things. Number one, it sounded like Gilbert Arenas was trying to suggest, and maybe I'm wrong, you guys can correct me, maybe Gilbert Arenas can correct me. He was trying, it, it seemed like as if he was trying to suggest that he was a good, as good as a player as Kobe Bryant was. But you weren't trying to suggest that, were you? It sounds like Gilbert Arenas was trying to suggest that he was just as good a player as Kobe Bryant was. The second thing he brought up about his scoring prowess, which I said at the beginning of the show, Gilbert Arenas was an extremely talented offensive, like extremely talented. I mentioned this before and I'm going to say it again. He was. No one is No one is disputing that. That is a fact. He was a bad boy. A bad, bad boy. I saw him play. But let's be for real. There were no cross matchups going on. I saw some of those highlights. Kobe Bryant will guard you in spurts. Primarily, uh, Gilbert Arenas was being guarded by his man. He wasn't playing defense. He was, Kobe wasn't guarding him head up. 
That was not happening. Now, Gilbert did mention something that is worth bringing up. And we're going to get a little bit technical because he made it technical. He said Kobe didn't have the lateral quickness to stay with him. I call I call BS on that. I call BS on that. There's a clip that's floating around the internet of when Kyrie Irving was in a USA training camp, uh, scrimmaging or whatever they were doing that. And Kyrie said him and Kobe going to go at it. This is young Kyrie. And then Kobe came to Cleveland. And him and Kyrie were going off, going back and forth, but Kyrie wasn't scoring on Kobe. Kobe wasn't scoring on Kyrie, except for a few possessions. Then it came a possession when Kyrie got the ball at the top of the key. And Kobe got to play one-on-one, and Kobe kept on telling him in that audio before, you're going to need a pick to get off of me. You're going to need a pick to get off of me. Kyrie started going into his bag. Please, I would recommend that the audience go back and look at what happened at the end of that play. Kyrie Irving got his shot blocked after a series of, 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 of offensive moves and crossovers. And Kobe stuck with him every single minute of the way because Kobe Bryant was talented at playing angles. And Kyrie was about the same height as Gilbert Arenas, but with a better handle. But with a better handle. And Kobe had no issue staying with Kyrie Irving. Now, does that mean that Kyrie Irving is an easy cover? No, he's one of the best players in the world. But that's for everybody. I want to quickly give you guys some stats of Gilbert Arenas and Kobe Bryant's head-to-head matchups. He mentioned some of it. I just want to run run over them for you a little bit. So Gilbert Arenas, uh, uh, through his career, averaged 24.2 points per game against Kobe. He scored, he got, excuse me, 4.8 rebounds, 4.9 assists, 1.1 steals versus Kobe Bryant. Um, he shot 40.6% from the field against them in every game that they played. And he shot 31.5% from the three against Kobe. Uh, and 83% from the free, 83.9, let's say 84%. Kobe, in those games, scored 29.8 points per game, got 6.2 rebounds, 6.4 assists, uh, got you what? Um, 1.4 steals, shot 48.1% from the field, shot 44.4% from the three-point line, and shot 80% from the free-throw line. Those were their head-to-head matchups. Now, here's where I'm going to get Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas is saying that he was scoring all those buckets. But Gilbert wasn't Gilbert wasn't scoring those buckets on Kobe. And Kobe wasn't scoring those buckets on Gilbert Arenas. The fact of the matter is this. Kobe Bryant would have a much better chance stopping Gilbert Arenas offensively. I mean, defensively, than Gilbert Arenas would ever have stopping Kobe Bryant. Here's the God's honest truth. And Gilbert Arenas will answer this. What is harder to do in the NBA? Be a one-sided player? Or a, pl- a player that plays on both sides of the ball. Which one do you think is harder? I think if Gilbert Arenas was honest, he would say being a two-way player is harder than being a player that only plays on one side of the ball. So let me ask Gilbert Arenas a question. In his heyday, do you think you could have ever averaged 30 points a game and made an all-first defensive team? This is just an honest question to you. Do you think you could ever average 30 points a game and make an all-defensive team? I ask you another question. Do you think that if they replace Kobe Bryant with you on those Lakers when he had Paul Gasol, do you think that you are able to beat the Pista, what is it, the Celtics with three Hall of Famers on that roster? Do you think you're able to do that? Do you think you're able to go to the finals three straight years if they replace Kobe with you? Let's stop with the Kobe disrespect, please. Like, let's stop. Gilbert Arenas was a hell of a player. Kobe Bryant is a top five player of all time. Let's stop. No one is saying that Gilbert Arenas is not great. Let's cut it out. Like, let's stop.
Don't give the young boys and the dweebs a reason to dis disrespect. Like, let's stop. Let's stop. Now, he didn't finish there. He has a few more parts that I want to get to, and I told you I'm going to take, I'm, 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 I'm going to take my time uh, with this one. There was a part where he brought up, because I asked him in the other show when he was criticizing Giannis for who he trained with. I said, Gilbert Arenas, who did you train in your career for you to be criticizing Giannis? And it turns out Gilbert Arenas actually came with the receipts for me that I was unaware of. So what we want to do is want to play a little bit of what he had to say about the caliber of players he's been training throughout his uh, time, uh, you know, working with people. So take a listen to who he who he's been working with. So was Kobe on your pedestal? Was LeBron on your, your pedestal? Because I think the person. So Gilbert Arenas. Yeah. I thought you said Akeem Olajuwon was scamming people. I know I, I did say that. I did. Right? I did. I thought you said he was using Giannis Antetokounmpo to scam people. Help me figure it out. That's what you said. I can help you figure it out. It's easy, right? That Giannis came out and said he's going to pay. Giannis came out. Giannis came out and said he's going to pay 50000 like LeBron did. Right? And I said, oh, no. Made it a big deal. What Hakeem did was like, oh, no, I can't charge you now. The f world knows. Because you know why? Training camp was coming up. You know how they asked him, you see this long-ass message you got? That was the first thing they were going to ask him. That was the first thing. Hey, you worked out with Hakeem. Did he charge you 50000 They want to know. So obviously, he wasn't going to charge him 50000 after I made it a big deal. Now, the problem is, is it a debunked because he didn't charge him the price he charges everybody else? Like debunking and exposing me is saying that I made up something like 3000 4000 and I made up that he was charging 50 If he's charging 50 and says, hey, you know, this is my boy, I'm not going to charge you, that is not. Exposing. He got called out and he decided, hmm. I can't do it now, but LeBron paid. Mm -hmm. I guess he, I, I guess Greek is bigger than him, huh? Kobe paid, Javale paid, Amari paid, everybody else paid. All right. See, I was I was hoping someone from his team said something. I I, I don't think you know. I know Charles Javale's a teammate. <laughs> I talk to LeBron. I train his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Mellow. Right. I, I have I have receipts of why they don't go. I, I have it. I have the receipts. I have their real thoughts. Why you why, why you didn't get the point? How come nobody else who worked out with him ever said anything? So you heard what he had to say. First of all, Gilbert Arenas, if you're watching this, I want to give you the full credit. I want to give you the full credit uh, because I asked you in the one of the Giannis videos, who did you train? And I had no idea that you trained all of those people. So I stand corrected. I was wrong for calling you out on those fronts. I had no idea uh, that you work with those caliber players. None whatsoever. I didn't know that you were going through drills with various players around, you know, around the United States. 
uh, I didn't know there's so many players in the NBA and other and, and various celebrities and all these other people oh, were reaching out to you um, for your basketball guidance. I didn't know that. Now, am I surprised by it? No, because as I said before, that I said Gilbert Arenas is an extremely good, he was a very good basketball player. So I can understand this. I'm not having an issue with you as a basketball player. I'm having an issue with some of the things that you've said. But about this part, Gilbert Arenas is 100% correct. And I was 100% wrong. I had no idea. And as I was watching that clip of you bringing up those points, I was like, wow, I had no idea this guy was right. And he got me on it. He called, I'm not saying, no, I'm not one of those people that if you got me, um, you know, I'm going to front and act like a sip. Oh my God. No, no, no. You got me. And I'm going to give you your credit when it's due. And in there, uh, he's 100% correct. I did not know this. You know, I didn't know this. And my only question is, however, by listing all of those players, are you saying then that you're more qualified to train Giannis over Hakeem Olajuwon? Because to me, that's the puzzling part. Because of all of those basketball, of, of, because of all of the basketball knowledge that you have, I am surprised that you give the takes that you make. I'm very, very surprised. And this brings me towards the end of this uh, show where we, well, not the show, but, uh, but some of the things that Gilbert Arenas uh, said. And I want to quickly play the part where he discusses um, the reason he had an issue with Giannis training Akeem Olajuwon. Um, and why he believes that ultimately it would have been a waste of money. And he basically named some people that have felt like working out with Hakeem um, actually wasn't worth the money, right? It wasn't worth the money. So what we want to do is want to play, uh, you know, what he had to say there in, his clo in those closing comments. And then we're going to come back and give you guys a final thought. So take a listen to the points uh, that Gilbert Arenas made here. Take a listen to that there. Yeah. But Gilbert Arenas said, that Akeem was trying to scam people. So help me figure it out. The guy's worth $300 million and he's trying to scam people. So help me figure it out. What was, what, uh, Mr. Gilbert Arenas, so this 50000 that he took from Giannis, let's say he worked out with him four times. He took two, uh, $200,000. What is he supposed to be doing with that uh, $400,000? $200,000. What? Is he serious? Is he, is he serious? Like $200,000 for the month, what is he going to do with it? If he has two players like he had JaVale and JaVale and Amari, that's 400000 for the month. What are he going to do with it? So you heard what Gilbert Arenas um, had to say there. He says some things that uh, I want to address, especially the part um in the end where he was like is this guy being serious like is he stupid like what are you what are you talking about um what is he going to do with two hundred thousand? let me tell you my reason that I, let me tell you the issue that i had with you with some of the comments that you made about hakeem uh and some of the comments that you made about Giannis Antetokounmpo. maybe you don't understand where i'm coming from with that i'm a kobe guy but i like Giannis as well let me tell you where i was coming from <laughs> Giannis, as I just found out before producing the show, actually GMs ranked him as the best player in the world. Some people say Nikola Jokic, but Giannis is arguably one of the best two players in the entire universe. Um, Giannis is a great player. And it seems to me that you have historically been extremely critical of Giannis, even, in even at times when it didn't warrant it. 
for you to say that Giannis needs to do this, he needs to do that, and all of these different things, when the guy has already... I mean, for a guy that has all of those weaknesses and all of those flaws, for him to still have won two regular season MVPs, won a championship, made all those NBA teams, uh, won a regular season... Uh, no, I mean, won a defensive player of the year, made all of those all-star teams, it's quite remarkable. But for you to basically say he doesn't know how to train his body when a guy that's coming to the NBA has put on about 52 pounds of muscle since he came into the NBA, you're going to turn off a lot of people when you say that. And you must understand that. Now, Gilbert will say, I'm seeing things from a different vantage point, which is correct. However, your, van your vantage point is no more valid than that of Giannis. Do you know why? Because Giannis is also getting results. It would be one thing if Giannis was doing things that you thought were wrong that weren't yielding any results. But as I just said, the guy is a two-time league MVP, a finals MVP, dropped a 50 ball in the finals, made multiple all-NBA teams, made multiple all-defensive all teams. So for you to say that, you lose people. Because people are going to say, but Gilbert, look at all of his accomplishments. Look at all of what this guy's been able to accomplish. And you're saying this. And people are like, I've seen you give more praise to people that have not accomplished a tenth of what Giannis has, but you speak high, high you, you have more praise of those guys. And that turns a lot of people off, a lot of people like myself. Now, I want to address the other part here where he spoke about Hakeem's workouts and all of this. And I, I'm 100% open to Gilbert Arenas correcting me on this. I, I, I truly mean this and I'm being sincere. Uh, if you want, you can even come on the show and you can correct us. I have no issue with that. I'm not one of those people. You kept on harping on this $50,000 part. You kept on making a big deal about, oh, 50K, 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 50K. Let me give the audience some information. During Hakeem Olajuwon's playing career, Hakeem, Hakeem earned $110 million as an NBA player. Those... I mean, that was the money he made through his NBA contracts. That's what he earned. I don't know if that was before or after taxes. That's what he earned. Okay. Hakeem Olajuwon, as of today, September, when I last checked the last publication, it said he's worth around 280 to 300 to 320. Let's say $300 million as of today. Now, Hakeem Olajuwon retired in 2002, which is roughly 20 years ago, just, just over 20 years ago. Fantastic. Now, let's look at Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas has made $160 million over his NBA career, which is an, which is, which is an incredible sum of money, right? Um, and I checked his net worth recently, and Gilbert, of course, you can correct me, um, his, his net worth was around $50 million. That's what I saw. Also, very good for him. That's according to Sports Kita. That's what they said, right? Now, from, 2000 and, from the year 2002 to 2000, Hakeem Olajuwon has made roughly $200 million over the last 20 years, right? Which is about $100 million every 10 years. And Gilbert Arenas retired in 2013 and has lost, and he can correct me, about $100 million of, his, of the money that he made. So, to use the example he made in the show, if Kareem was using training NBA players as a hustle and you said, let's say he's training two guys a week, right? Two guys a week, 100,000 a week. What is it? Uh, 100,000. 
Um, yeah, that's 400,000 a month making, I don't know, 4.8 million a year. If you multiplied that 4.8 million, he'd be making a year. That's with no vacation, no break, training them every single week. Hakeem would have been able to amass about $96 million over the last 20 years. So the question then becomes, where did he get the other hundred million from? Where did he get the other hundred million from? Now, here's the problem. Based on your show yesterday, he was saying in no uncertain terms that Kareem Hakeem wasn't really a great NBA, a great trainer for basketball players. So if that's the case, if that's the case, why hasn't he been able to leverage? If that's the case, and you're saying he wasn't as great an uh, uh, NBA tra- uh, trainer of basketball players, and he was based on all of the receipts that he brought up, why hasn't he been able to leverage his skills as a trainer to make as much money as Kareem Abdul-Hakim uh, 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 Olajuwon? Now, he'll say, listen, dummy, I told you in the video, I do it for free. Fair enough. But what I'm saying is what you're proposing is not worth Hakeem Olajuwon's time. The scenario you try to formulate is not worth his time. The fact of the matter is Hakeem Olajuwon made the majority of his wealth in real estate. And like yourself, we are also very well researched, and I'm going to prove it to you. I want to quickly read an article here before we conclude. Uh, this is from Sports Kita, and the article has a headline. Hakeem Olajuwon reached his $300 million net worth by cracking 25 lucrative deals in just one year. This article was published in September 14, 2023. Hakeem Olajuwon is a former NBA player with a net worth of $300 million. Olajuwon was in his prime in 1994-1995 when he led the Houston Rockets to -to back-to-back championships and won the finals MVPs both years. He was not only a great player, but a shrewd businessman as well. During his impressive NBA career, Olajuwon earned $110 million in salaries. The 2001 season was his highest earning a year, earning him $16.7 million from the Houston Rockets. He started investing in real estate uh, when he was still playing, preferring to buy property around the, around Houston because he had home court advantage. A look at how Hakeem Olajuwon built his real estate empire. One of the most notable investments was leasing out property in the World Trade Center in 1998, the world's tallest building at the time. He sold it uh, in 2000 for $8 million a year before the tragic event. In the year 2000, Akeem bought the Houston Federal Reserve building and the adjacent parking lots for $4.3 million and leased it back to the Fed. Four years later, Olajuwon sold the property to Medistar Corp for an undisclosed sum, fair to assume he made a, a tidy profit. Furthermore, Olajuwon has, brought, has bought other properties, historic downtown building, which he converted into a mosque and an abandoned shopping mall in Missouri City are among the properties that he has in his portfolio. He also owns a slew of properties comprising parking garages, commercial buildings, homes and apartment complexes. In 2006, four years after his retirement, Hakeem Olajuwon had about 25 investments in his name, which had ballooned to be worth over $100 million. How was he able to achieve such a feat? Olajuwon approached a real estate investment differently. Being a Muslim, his faith does not allow him to take loans against the Muslim's faith to pay or charge interest. Wow. 
while this can make acquiring properties expensive, he does not have any credit risk, nor does he contend with interest rates. In 2006, Olajuwon bought prime property of 41 acres near the Nassau Space Station and turned it into a retirement home. With this purchase, his real estate investments have added up to him having a net worth of $300 million. So Mr. Gilbert Arenas, you saying that Hakeem Olajuwon, because you asked me if I was stupid. I'm not stupid to answer your question. What would be stupid is for Hakeem Olajuwon to waste his time collecting $50,000 checks at the rate you proposed of two NBA, play NBA players a week to now use that $4.8 million to now go buy a piece of property when he can leverage what he already has, borrow against his assets. If he doesn't want to borrow, he can now sell one of his assets to go buy a bigger piece of asset. And you're telling me that Akeem Olajuwon, his new hustle is making $4.8 million a year according to the metric you provided at training two NBA players every single week for 52 weeks out of the year. Let's stop it. Let's stop it. The man is a businessman. A lot of Nigerians are. It's just the way it is. Sorry to break it to you. We don't need to scam NBA players. All, all Nigerians who, who, have, who have an opportunity to make some money, they're going to make a damn lot of it. I know a lot of them. So for you to suggest that is outlandish. It's absolutely outlandish. Number two, you put out information that was incorrect about the guy. You said that he charged, he charged Giannis. He didn't. Now we can dance around the corner and say he didn't say this, he didn't say that, but that's what you said. Now, uh, first of all, before we close, I want to commend Gilbert Arenas for the audience because Gilbert Arenas is one of the very first people that I've heard uh, in terms of one of these big names to publicly publicly acknowledge us. And I and I and I and I and I want to thank you for that because it shows that uh, you're listening, but more importantly, you respect the work enough, our work enough uh, to respond. As you guys know, I also want to say something else to Gilbert Arenas. I have taken some very strong positions against you by calling you names here and there. I want to apologize to you publicly for saying that because I listened to your live yesterday and I was very surprised at the tone you took. Yeah, you had some moments where you pushed back, which was understandable, but for the most part, most part, excuse me, uh, you were 100% respectful, even with the part when it came to playing the ad. Uh, you know, you played our ad. You said you even liked the video and said, hey, I would even uh, check out the stuff. So um, none of this is meant to be malicious in any way. The only thing I at least try to do is push back on some of your basketball takes. I am I apologize if I attacked you as a person. That certainly uh, was not my aim. And if we've done that, we definitely won't do it again. And also, listen, if you disagree with some of the things that we've said, I'll be happy to come on your show. You can come on our show. Uh, and we can hash it out. Or if you don't want to, that's absolutely fine. But uh, I felt that it was important to respond to you and also make it clear to you that we also want to move with respect. So if we did anything that seemed a little bit iffy, we apologize for that. But nevertheless, I'm not backing off of the positions that I made here because I believe in everything that I said. So these are my thoughts. What I want to know from you guys, what do you think about the breakdown that we had today? Whatever you guys think, please leave your thoughts and comments in the comment section. Also, make sure you check out Gilbert Arenas' show. Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.